This podcast is sponsored by Smile Digital Health. Welcome to the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. Today, we welcome Bryn Rhodes of Smile Digital Health. Before we chat with Bryn about clinical quality language, a couple of words about Weedy, the preeminent national membership association for health IT guidance and collaboration. For nearly 30 years, Weedy has been instrumental force in igniting public-private partnerships to empower meaningful changes for the American healthcare system. Recognized and trusted as a formal advisor to the Secretary of Health and Human Services, Weedy is the leading authority on the use of health IT to efficiently improve health information exchange, enhance care quality, and reduce cost. Learn more about us, including member benefits and our virtual educational events in the month of December, free for the industry, focusing on ICD-11, payer-to-payer exchange, and more on our website, wedi.org. As I mentioned earlier today, we welcome Bryn Rhodes, who is currently the Director of Standard Strategy for SMILE, co-chair for the HL7 Clinical Decision Support Workgroup, and editor of the HL7 Clinical Quality Language and the FIRE Clinical Reasoning Module. With over 20 years of experience in the development and architecture of information systems, Bryn is currently involved with numerous initiatives to develop and implement standards related to interoperable and computable clinical knowledge. His appearance is sponsored today by SMILE. SMILE is a health information technology company focused on delivering better global health through open standards. Their enterprise-grade open framework, data fabric, and integration platform fuels healthcare's digital transformation and accelerates value creation across all patient journeys at scale. Powered by their HL7 Fire Standards-based clinical data repository, Smile Inside, their platform enables collaboration and allows organizations to ingest, transform, store, enrich, analyze, aggregate, and meaningfully share the health information to power digital transformation. This year, Smile placed 41st on the Globe and Mail's fifth annual ranking of Canada's top-growing companies two years running. Smile Digital Health ranked 17th on the 2023 Deloitte Technology Fast 50th Awards program and 116th on the Deloitte Technology Fast 500. This is Smile's second win in a row for both Fast 50 and Fast 500. Your digital transformation awaits at SmileDigitalHealth.com. Bryn, Welcome to the Collective Voice of Health IT. How's everything going? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you for, uh, thank you for having me. No, Appreciate the you, opportunity. Thank you for stopping in and talking to us about CQL. But before we jump into that, a little bit about you. We always like to ask our guests about their uh, healthcare origin story. Um, all of us are healthcare superheroes from one time or another. Um, how did you get into it? Some people kind of fall into it. Some people are born into it. Some people see it as a calling. Uh, there's an experience that made them get into healthcare. What was your healthcare origin story? So I have been mostly involved in uh, database management and information systems throughout my career. I got involved early with uh, kind of line of business applications and developing things like financial services, um, accounting uh, systems, uh, and those made heavy use of database systems. So I got early on uh, in, into how can we improve and streamline the development of, uh, of those types of systems. I built a lot of uh, automation and tooling uh, around building those kinds of systems. Uh, and as part of that, uh, ended up doing consulting. Uh, and one of the projects, uh, as I started consulting early on, 
was for to to help a major uh, EHR vendor in the United States uh, build a real-time clinical decision support system. And so one of the first things I did uh, as part of that, uh, part of uh, working with that team, uh, was to define a way for the decision support rules uh, that were being executed to be updated independent of deploying new versions of the software. So it was really important to be able to react quickly to changes. Um, I didn't realize it at the time, uh, but I was actually building decision support rules to help uh, in, uh, automate meaningful use measures like uh, um, A1C control. And uh, as part of, at the time, uh, ARC was looking around for why why vendor systems weren't using some of the specifications that were available, like uh, health quality measure format, for example. And they wanted to know why vendors weren't taking advantage of those specifications. I had looked at that as part of that implementation and opted for a, a kind of specific implementation that enabled the more dynamic approach that that we wanted, especially for real-time decision support, to allow control over how much data was sent and what that uh, what that would look like. And as a result, uh, they asked for a white paper. Uh, I wrote one about why we didn't use HQMF. Um, they said, "Okay, come help us to show what you would have done." And that led to my involvement in HL7, um, building up. Uh, knowledge representation standards for clinical decision support and quality measurement. And I've been working in that space ever since. And that uh, that specification uh, ultimately led to what is now um, CQL and uh, the clinical reasoning module in FHIR. So. Fantastic. Thank you. Um, now, we, you just mentioned CQL, clinical quality language. Now, um, our podcast listeners vary in terms of their knowledge of healthcare IT. If you could give us a couple of minutes to offer uh, some foundational knowledge about qu clinical quality language or CQL. Sure. Clinical quality language is an HL7 specification that supports uh, the expression and sharing of clinical logic. So when you have a rule that says my uh, my um, A1C must be greater than uh, eight, uh, that's uh, an expression of logic um, and uh, one of the kind of primary objectives of CQL is to allow you to say those kinds of things and do it in a way that is platform independent so that I can take that logic and run it uh, wherever I need to be that in a clinical decision support service at the, integrated at the point of care or as part of a quality measure evaluation on a population or as part of evaluating uh, you know, clinical trial eligibility. Um, wherever I need to be able to express logic, uh, I should be able to do that in a way that I can share it across different spaces. Um, right now, that's a pretty hard thing to do, uh, and so we're trying to make that easier with uh, CQL as a specification to support it. Okay, you just mentioned it's hard to do. What? Where are the challenges? Where are you running into challenges, and how can something like FIRE help mitigate the challenges that you are running into? So <clears throat> it's hard to do because, one, you can't really share uh, expression logic without knowing uh, what the semantics are of the data that the expression is express uh, is is making use of. So I can't say is the um, A1C threshold greater than eight without a precise and meaningful definition of A1C threshold. And so fire uh, 
is really an enabling specification for sharing logic because um, Fire provides interoperability um, not only between systems at the syntactic level where we just make sure that we're we're sharing the same structures for what that A1C looks like, but also at the semantic level where through the use of uh, profiles, we can say when we when we say uh, what A1C is, we actually pin that to a, a code in a specific terminology. And that allows us to, to not only share the structure and values in the data, but the meaning of that data on both sides of that exchange. So we can say, this is an A1C uh, result, um, and I can use a LOINC code to get very specific about what that means and make sure that that is understood on both sides of that. And that really is a, a prerequisite to being able to share an expression that talks about that A1C. Um, so FHIR as an enabling specification uh, really is, is uh, important in being able to get to that next step of sharing not only meaningful data, but the, the uh, expressions that operate on that data. That's interesting. Uh, now, looking at it as, look, let's talk fire. Uh, let's address uh, what I guess I've, I've read, knowledge, uh, knowledge interoperability and fire's relationship to it. How does fire help in terms of interoperability? Walk us through. We've had Dr. Jaffe on. We've had several different HL7 and fire practitioners on talking about, you know, the evolution of fire. How does fire and knowledge interoperability mesh and relate and um, work together in this kind of data spaghetti that we're facing in healthcare? Right. <clears throat> so fire as a platform uh, enables systems to be interoperable. Um, but out of the box, you're not going to get interoperability just because both sides speak fire. Um, you can exchange uh, using fire, you can exchange the structures. Uh, so we both can can share uh, the information about medications or observations, but we might use different codes on both sides of that exchange to mean different things. And so what we what we end up doing with fire uh, as a platform is that it, it allows us to describe profiles uh, that pin the meaning of those elements that we're sharing. And so by defining these profiles, like you hear uh, profile groups like U.S. Core, um, International Patient Summary, these are profiles of fire that target a particular realm uh, and a broad set of use cases, and that ensure that not only are we sharing data, but we're sharing it meaningfully on both sides. And that's really how FHIR enables uh, semantic interoperability. Um, it has to be, uh, there's, a, there's an effort involved in getting all of the stakeholders to agree on what those codes should be for the use cases involved. And that's the work of the standards development community where we're building out the profiles and then um, working towards implementation and adoption of those and getting broader and broader adoption and covering more and more use cases as we go. And so that kind of layer of semantic interoperability that, that FHIR then provides lets us then start actually using that data in meaningful ways. Um, we can start running decision support rules on it and we know that when we run this rule, whether it's against a Cerner system or an Epic system, we will get the same result because we're running it on data that is semantically uh, interoperable. And that's really what knowledge interoperability is about. How can I share not only the data, 
but the rules, uh, decision support rules, um, quality measurement specifications, uh, research trial descriptions, all of those are knowledge interoperability uh, use cases. And getting to that level of, of sharing um, requires that semantic interoperability that FIRE enables. Thank you. Speaking with Bryn Rhodes, the Director of Standard Strategy for SMILE on the Collective Voice of Health IT this week. Uh, this podcast is being sponsored by SMILE Digital Health. Uh, you talked about uh, the use cases regarding knowledge interoperability. Let's talk about quality improvement use cases. How does fire adoption work regarding quality improvement use cases? So <clears throat> what we're really seeing is that the adoption of FHIR, because it's it's providing this layer of semantic interoperability, uh, is really getting to the point where applications can be shared across systems. So as a consumer, I have an Apple Health Kit on my phone, uh, and that allows me to make use of applications uh, that can use that data that I've collected from different sources and know that it's going to be uh, meaningfully interoperable. That, that uh, gives me a way as a patient um, to actually contribute back to my to my um, record and make use of that data. Um, I can bring it to my next visit and talk about it with my provider. I can get questionnaires delivered from patient portals uh, and have that be um, have the answers to that be then available within the provider's EHR uh, so we can have a meaningful shared decision making session all the way up through, uh, having that data aggregated in HIEs, uh, and maybe they run quality improvement, uh, population management uh, use cases there, or payers uh, are able to to make use of that data and and find ways to improve care, reduce cost through the use of that data. No, oh, thank you. Uh, now we talked about data, data movement, and the challenges that uh, data movement presents. To healthcare, uh, speaking with Bryn Rhodes with Small Digital Health, uh, what are some additional ways to address this? Um, I understand uh, distribution of processing, query distribution, bulk data approaches. Uh, go into a little detail about those three items and how addressing them can help in terms of data movement. So, obviously, the the volume of data involved is uh, is large and increasing, um, and so. One of the big challenges on just analytics and uh, population use cases is how do you get the data um, to the uh, place where it needs to be in order to perform the calculations? And there are lots of different approaches that FHIR and uh, the clinical reasoning uh, module and CQL support enable, uh, in order to enable different use cases there. One is distribution. How can I uh, move logic about what is appropriate to move closer to the source of that data. So instead of um, just sending all the data and doing the analytics at a central point, um, I can actually put distribution logic into applications that run at the site and help make that decision about what data is appropriate to move. Um, We're seeing that use case in uh, the public health space where what we're doing is putting Sidecar applications uh, deployed uh, alongside EHRs to help with public health reporting, uh, but that have uh, rules about distribution in there. So depending on how the local agencies have configured their their rules for for what's appropriate uh, to report, um, we can actually distribute some of that processing and make it possible to make that decision at the site so you don't have to send as much data. So that's one approach of, of uh, distribution. 
another is query distribution, where because CQL uh, has a has a language, um, it's a query language that supports things like query planning and query optimization. So uh, I can actually look at a query and break down where it's getting its data from uh, and do things like move filters closer to the source so that I can ask a server for a filtered set that uh, contains only the information I need uh, and I can I can kind of distribute the query processing uh, in that way. And then finally, bulk data approaches where uh, it really is the case that we just need to move a lot of data. How do we do that quickly? Um, and we see in in fire with the the bulk data specification uh, an approach to moving that data quickly using um, streaming formats. Um, it also though gives us a way to um, potentially package up queries. Um, so you might say, give me the data appropriate for a particular quality measure. Uh, and rather than expressing that in terms of a particular query, you you express it in terms of the artifact that you need. And so uh, the implementing system then is free to go gather that data uh, as as uh, as appropriate for how they're, they've organized and structured their information. Then they can just give you that data uh, as a response to that for, uh, for a bulk data approach. Absolutely interesting. Thank you for that. Um, you mentioned data. We've mentioned data quite a bit on this podcast, and we've mentioned data a lot on the Collective Voice of Health IT. Um, looking at the future, uh, there's one thing that data is constant, and not only that, as you said, data is always increasing. So a question that I used to ask my guests is, where do you see healthcare in the next three to five years? And that's now a silly, antiquated question, because now it's more like the next you know, 12 to 18 months. So in terms of the future of healthcare, uh, two-pronged. Uh, where do you see the future of healthcare from a CQL and even a FIRE perspective? Where is FIRE going to be taking healthcare in the future? And also, let's look at it outside of that. Healthcare as a whole, healthcare IT as a whole, healthcare technology. Uh, what are we looking at? What do you see um, you know, in terms of the future, the next 12 to 18 months with regulations, with the emergence of technology that will help hopefully speed up the analysis and collection of all this data. So the question mostly is, you know, where do you see healthcare in the next year, the next year and a half? So that's a really, that's a really good question. Lots of, uh, lots of aspects. I think uh, one of the biggest drivers is the availability of uh, the healthcare data and the availability of applications uh, to help understand that data. Right. It's we're at a point where consumers not only have access to their data, but have access to a wealth of ways to understand that data. Um, and so uh, I think that's going to really uh, uh, be important in terms of kind of the democratization of uh, of healthcare, where it's no longer the case that um, the information is is uh, siloed. Uh, all the patients have access to their data um, and access to the, the research and uh, the evidence about what is actually happening uh, and, and getting more and more tools uh, available uh, to help interpret and, uh, and actually look at that research. And so I think we're going to see a lot, uh, a lot more of those kinds of applications that empower consumers to make use of their healthcare data um, directly, as opposed to having to uh, wait for a visit to the doctor. Um, I don't know whether that's a, <laughs> you know, 
uh, time will tell <laughs> what the outcome of that is. But I think it's a really interesting time because we're seeing more and more of those types of, of applications. Um, uh, I think fire is really the spark, right? That, that brings that um, because it's, it's really giving patients access to their information. Um, I think, uh, I mean, from, from, a what we're trying to accomplish, uh, in the standards community, especially in some of the knowledge representation communities, um, is really getting to a point where we're able to help with that process, uh, by supporting structured representation of the knowledge. Um, and so we want to, we want to close the, the loop between, uh, research and uh, guideline development uh, and the actual delivery of those uh, recommendations. Um, we wanna streamline that process and make that as uh, quickly as possible. Um, and so, uh, you know, we see a lot of adoption of these kinds of approaches uh, for representing that knowledge. And I think we're gonna see a lot of um, uh, applications that are able to then make use of that and actually share uh I, this is my uh this is my rule for you know appropriate care of a particular condition uh and and see those things being shared more and more commonly excellent uh Bryn this has been a fantastic eye-opening mind-blowing podcast episode thank you so much for being a guest today uh, is there anything you'd like to plug uh, for uh, our audience, so they can learn more about you, CQL, clinical reasoning, Smile Digital Health, whatever. Please plug. The room is yours. Absolutely. Uh, get involved. Um, if you're interested in the space, if you're interested in healthcare IT, if you're interested in impacting uh, how these things are happening and what's going on, uh, get involved in the FIRE community. Uh, get involved in HL7. Um, there are numerous work groups uh, that touch different areas of healthcare. Um, and we need we need voices. Um, we want more input and more feedback uh, to help drive the change that we want to see. Um, so please visit the hl7.org. Um, visit the, the Confluence page there. Find a work group. Um, visit the Fire Chat uh, Zulip. Um, it's a great place to get engaged with the Fire community. Um, and uh, as you know, as a as a uh, digital health vendor. Um, we have uh, implementations of the standards uh, and they kind of drive our products and support uh, the, the kind of mission of better global health. Um, so get involved, um, visit the website if you're interested in more information about how we're implementing these standards. And that website, once again, is smiledigitalhealth.com. And we'd like to thank Smile Digital Health for sponsoring today's podcast. This has been the Collective Voice of Health IT, a weekly podcast, where the healthcare IT communities connect, collaborate, and create solutions for a better health system. Find all our episodes as well as information on our association on our website, wedi.org. Thank you for joining us, and be safe. <laughs>